Okay. Should we have Q do the yeah the chant? Start with the chant. All right. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Get right for the mic. Okay. Yeah. Make it happen, man. C to the U to the R I O U S. We are, we are Curious Church Podcast. Oh! Oh! Yes. Hey, I only have two minutes to think about that. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, now just one more time. Because I want to, uh, you're a little hot. I should have checked the level first. So okay. just, uh, I was just kind of checking the level. Okay, go ahead one more time. C to the U to the R I O U S. We are, we are Curious Church Podcast. Yeah! All right. Perfect. Oh, cute. Yeah. I love it. I couldn't have asked for Now, more. that won't be in the actual episode. Yep. Okay. Just yeah, so it's you like know. A Christmas gift thing. So, like we yeah. told you. Everyone does this. None of it ever makes sense. You mean you episode. don't want to use this every week? <laughs> <laughs> On your every episode? Start with this? Over the jingle. Yeah. Get pumped. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, another thing that we have to tell you is that we just made that up. We've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I totally knew it. So when Matt was talking about it, I was like, I was 100% sure, but then you chimed in from there, and you were so casual about it. Like, you weren't even, like, desperate to win me over or anything. You were just like, yeah, this is what we do. Aaron with the critical backup. <laughs> when you've been podcasting uh, together as long as Matt and I have, man. you know instinctively. Working as a team. It's, uh, it's good to start this episode right off the bat with a little de- a little deception, oh, yeah. a little like not here. trusting each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. Thank you, Q, though, for that. This tells us something about Q. He's, he's a good sport. He's in it. Yeah. He's here to play. All in. All in. <laughs> he went for it. He trusted us. Yeah, 120%. And we got, we got this idea because uh, Matt and I happened to meet in the restroom just prior to this. That is true. Taking care of business. I mean, I saw you guys and it, <laughs> leaving the room. Uh, <laughs> but little did I know it felt like what kind like, of conversations that you guys would have in the men's room. It felt room. like, you know, in the locker room before a big game. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Let's get kind going. Let's get, get pumped. Up, get the adrenaline up. I think Aaron said we need to... We need a chant. Yeah. We need like a team yeah. kind of cheer. Yeah. And so I realized that OUS rhymes with curious really nicely. Yeah, that was quick thinking. So. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, how do you feel about that welcome voice? Is that too radio? Is it not radio enough? I I didn't think it was radio enough. Hmm. Oh. Hello, everyone. Oh. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Okay. Now Ooh, what if I had a radio voice all <laughs> no, day? All the whole time. <laughs> that would take a lot of effort. It would. I was already feeling the strain. All right. Do you, have, do you have a third version? Uh, yeah. Um, it goes like this. <clears throat> hey, everybody. No, that's the same thing. That's the same. I don't have another version. I have two. I have two voices. You have two voices. You have excited Aaron and radio Aaron. That's all I got. That's all you got. I would like to, I think we should welcome our guest in Absolutely. right off the bat. You've already heard him uh, get us pumped up with get his curious chant. church chant. It's, uh, it's our friend Q Han. Q Han. Welcome, Q. Hello. Q. Uh, Q's been around Granite Springs for how many years? 
Five years, I think a little bit over five years now. Five years. Yeah. Currently a seminary graduate. Yes, sir. Seminary graduate. Yeah. MDiv. That sounds Hugh Han, comma, MDiv. MDiv. Oh, that's, wow. that Spent is very four nice. years for that. Congratulations. That's, nice. <laughs> that's a big yeah. deal. Yep. And uh, serving kind of as the uh, youth director, right, yep. around here Correct. for now. So he's also a musical guy. So he likes to sing and uh, play with us sometimes, yeah. and we love to have him. So He does a little bit of a lot of things. Yeah, he's a talented dude. And it's been really, this is on us. This is a problem that has taken us so long to have him on the show. What, this is episode 37 or something like that? And we've never had Q on the show. But now you just said 37, and that makes me think <laughs> we've barely begun to do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. I just yeah, Aaron's like, to talk it. to me when it's 137. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just listened to a podcast this morning. They were on like 538. You know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, 37. Yeah. Eh. Okay, I, I see both ways because yeah. that's one way to think about it in terms of the overall podcast world. We are yeah. we are but a fledgling, barely peeking our scrawny necks over the edge of the nest, right? <laughs> looking out at the vista we might fly through. But on the other hand, you think about how many hours you and I have now talked to each other, oh, no. and that gets <laughs> it, it does that, it that does gets a little overwhelming. Yeah, it does. <laughs> really, how many hours is that? So each episode, how, like how how well? I mean, let's say let's say each out each each episode is about forty minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of rounding down. So that's about two thirds. So right. thirty six episodes is at least twenty four hours mm. of recorded time, like right. of published time. Yeah, that Aaron and, and I. And what would be the edited out parts? Yeah, way more than that. So. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of time. Yeah, but that's okay. That's why we bring Q in to freshen things up. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. So we're glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad I can be a part of it. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Should we? Uh, do you want? Do you have an idea for a segment first? I, I absolutely do. You not only have an idea, but you actually have one. I have one. I came prepared. I'm kind of stoked this. about it. Yeah, me too. You know, we're talking about Q bringing in some fresh energy, getting us pumped. We're bringing in a fresh segment for the first Whoa. time ever. Whoa. All right. It's Curious Church. Would you rather? <laughs> We'll see if maybe there will be a maybe, maybe there'll, there'll be, be a song. There. I'll make maybe I'll make a song for it. I want to be very okay. I want to be very clear about this. Would you rather? It is not themed. It is not. It uh, doesn't have a special sort of code lying behind these questions. These are just what I think are quality. Would you rather questions? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna do maybe three or so, and uh, all of us will have a chance to answer them. Because there's no right or wrong answer. I think there has to be a right or wrong answer. Well, okay. Like if, to we'll channel, debate it then. To channel the spirit of Sam, like there has to be a winner. Okay. And a <laughs> loser. You know what? That's fair. If this is Curious Church, would you rather there is someone who is right? Okay. And hopefully two people who are wrong so that you really have a clear winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. So three questions. So our first question. So as we record today, it is Aaron's daughter, Juliet's birthday. It is. And so th- our first question is a birthday-themed question. So a little shout-out to Juliet. Happy birthday, Happy baby. Happy birthday, Juliet. Happy birthday. So here's, here's our question. Maybe Juliet has an opinion about this. Would you rather have one epic blowout of a birthday party, and then for the rest of your life, no one ever remembers your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> or, or would you rather... Have people remember your birthday each year, but each year your birthday kind of celebration is just, it's fine. Nothing special. What would you rather? 
Okay. Can I ask some questions yeah, absolutely. to clarify? Okay, uh-huh. so... No, these are very elaborate scenarios, so please do ask you, In the first scenario, do I remember my own birthday? Yes. Oh, you certainly remember that it's mm. your birthday, but no one else does. No, like not even my like wife or Inc- anyone. Yeah, including the people who went to your epic birthday party the year before. They also <laughs> just do not remember. Their brains have been wiped. <laughs> uh, they, no. might, they remember it happened. They okay. remember your birthday party happened, but they okay. never remember when it is. Like but do they people. remember the, the epicness of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they okay. remember your birthday party. Can we invite them to our next birthday parties and remind them? F- the, the year no, following? no, no. It just kind of goes, it goes unobserved. It. Unobserved. Yeah. Can Passes you, by. Can you tell people it's your birthday? I mean, I guess you could, but there can't be any expectation of, of something actually happening because of that. Huh. So a lot of times for my birthday, I like to, like my wife and I have kind of an arrangement where you, like, you just get like, we don't really buy each other presents, but like, hey, you can do like the special thing or get this special uh-huh. thing. So anything uh, that, that can still happen? No, 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 no. Oh. There's nothing. Your birthday is basically unobserved. And maybe that's, maybe that's a good yourself. way to... It's forgotten and it is unobserved <laughs> in any way. Okay, this makes it really easy for me. <laughs> okay, well, what's your answer then? I, I, I would go with the latter. I mean, um, maybe I need more time to think about this. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, it's an easy answer for me because, you know, it's, if it's only one epic blowout party... Okay, but think where about you this, could, The Golden State Warriors... Invite you. Oh, you're gonna bring in warriors <laughs> into the whole epic. picture. It is epic. The oh, Golden State Warriors, your team. <laughs> Steph Curry sends you a text and is like, "Q, <laughs> yo, it's your birthday. We have a yacht waiting uh, in San Francisco Harbor. Oh, give me yacht. a minute to think. We're about gonna this. take it out. I got a bunch of friends I've invited. They're they're your friends, and it's just you oh, hanging man. out. Beautiful day." You shut down Alcatraz. And we play horse with... I, I, I get to play horse with you, Steph yeah, Curry. you can play horse with Steph Curry. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's the level of epic blowout, one-time event you could have. Okay, then I got, I got a follow-up question. With the ladder, right? Yeah. So the, the second option we had was just kind of like under-the-radar, low-key birthday party. So what does that look like? So it Describe just means, it like, if someone says, like, oh, did you have a good time? Your response would be, it was fine. No, I mean... <laughs> The second option you, you suggested, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, what that's what I'm what saying. That's what I'm saying. What would actually happen? What would actually happen in that birthday party? It, it, whatever would happen, that your response would just be, that was fine. Like, uh, I wasn't, I, it like maybe like was a notch below what I might have expected. And that's just like every year. And that's every year. Constantly. It's just, that was fine. <laughs> but people remember. I mean, I think, I think, I, I think I'm ready to answer. Okay. What's your answer, Aaron? Um, I think I'd like to do one big party. Oh man! And then be done with birthdays. I'm already done with birthdays now. Okay. Uh, okay. We don't really do much with it. Um, I don't really like you know. You get to a point in your life where you really don't care for birthdays. Even not only, not only do I feel ambivalent about them, I could just like stop doing them. Right. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think everyone has birthdays. You're not so special just because it's your birthday, Mm. and uh, get over yourself, (laughs) (laughs) Juliet. (laughs) (laughs) Birthdays, okay. Birthdays are like Halloween to me. Okay, it's fun for the kids, and people do it for the kids. Yeah, yeah. but there gets to be a certain point now that you're a grown up. You just stop. I mean, do you have to be putting on costumes and? 
I don't know, mm-hmm. doing... Uh, Are all birthday parties that you go to costume-themed? Because <laughs> that might be part of your dislike for birthday parties. Everyone's wearing their birthday suit, am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I would do. One okay, big party. One big. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll invite Steph Curry. Maybe we'll go... Uh, you can invite whoever you like. in a yacht. To, okay, so yeah. we have... What's your answer, Q? Shoot, do you have your answer? I have my I answer. I need more time to think about it. Okay, this. my answer is my ego is too fragile. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to handle people forgetting my birthday. Oh, So okay. I think I would probably just go with... Uh, yeah, it's, that was fine. Would you like to share your birthday with listeners so they can mark their calendars and make sure to make sure they in run. the future if they run across I, absolutely. You, My birthday just, yeah, is the day there. after Christmas, so oh right, yeah. uh, I follow Jesus literally <laughs> <laughs> the next day. Uh, okay, yeah, great. but actually, I I put this question to Rachel. Uh, last night, a little bit of prep, you know, testing out what are the what are the good would you rather? Because I had I had a number of them, and mm. sh- and she immediately said, I would want people to remember my birthday. Yeah. So right. we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Q, yeah, I think I'm with uh, Aaron. Uh, similarly, like I don't think I really care about my birthday. You know what I mean? It just kind of passes by, and as I kind of enter the 30s, um, the I think it has become a, sort of this different meaning. So um, yeah. I would rather have like an epic. 31st birthday party coming up in February of this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you you won me uh, with the Steph Curry and the Warriors. Okay, party. that one. Even if I, you know, even if it is like you know, watching a game in Oakland or San Francisco next year, right? Um, watch a Warriors game, live game over there on my birthday. That'd be a pretty, pretty. Yeah, pr- yeah. yeah, that would be <laughs> side one. Yeah, thing to remember. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So who's but, the winner? Well. Uh, obviously, if we're doing the sort of two people are wrong, one person's right. I was the one, and you were the two. So, oh, uh, no, I, I don't. Yeah, that doesn't sound logical. That doesn't sound <laughs> we should ask Sam does. about this. Sam, Sam has to choose the winner, right? <laughs> I hear what you guys are saying. I think you're underplaying the uh, psychological impact Mm-mm. that that long term would happen from you knowing something that everyone else always forgets. Hmm. I think one year that might be like, oh, whatever. But like five years in, I feel like that's probably probably a little detrimental. Maybe, Maybe not. I mean, Maybe ma- not. I think it's kind of already happening to me. So Aaron, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm gonna work to always remember uh, your birthday. No, see, <laughs> <laughs> this All is right. would I rather not? Uh, oh, okay. Should yeah. we move on to the next one? Yeah, this one's a little on. simpler. Let's do okay. it. Would you rather your shirts be always two sizes too big <laughs> or one size too small? Oh, <laughs> this is uh, to give credit uh, where credit's due. This came from yep. conversationstarterworld.com. Okay. <laughs> of course. Of course. I, I can answer this right okay, off. Okay, yeah. Go. Two size big. I mean, one size tight. I don't. I just don't like my you know shirts tight. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I just don't like it. You're like, but you have like this really good military physique right now. No, no, no. Like, no, if there's no. ever a time to go to and, and cut this out if, if need be, Aaron. Okay. But the thing thing with the tight t shirts, yeah, is when you're um, what do you call it? The nipple. <laughs> is there a more uh, appropriate way to say nipple? <laughs> no, that's that's perfectly No, but appropriate. what is nipple in Korean? Chotgokji. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. How does that sound? Does it sound pretty like provocative? Or... Well, the way you said well, the it. Way you said it. <laughs> it's a facial expression. It's too, the eyebrows. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I just, I just dislike. So you um, can't go there. Yeah, with... yeah I, I don't like that. So two size big, I would go with that. Okay. Is it? You, you said shirts, right? Not yeah, pants shirt, or shoes. just shirts. Yeah, I think I, think... I would go. I don't like the I don't like bagginess though. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. And, think, and you're going quite baggy because it's two sizes. Yeah. So if you're a medium, you're going to an XL. That's too big. You know, in the nineties, that was kind of the like when right. I was in high school, that was the fashion, right? Everyone sure. I just by default all my sweatshirts were XL. Like that was the only size uh-huh. I looked for. Yeah. But now see now I'm a man on the move. And you know when you're walking really fast. If I'm walking or running, I've got like this parachuting effect going on behind me. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. If I were I had a, lived a more sedentary lifestyle, maybe XL would be more cozy. But I'm on the go, baby, and I can't have this this thing blowing behind me. So I'm going tight. <laughs> yeah. I will also be incentivized, I think, when I look in a mirror to lose a little bit of my midsection. Yeah, right? that's really true. Motivation, motivation. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, it would keep me keep me motivated. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to go tight. That's a, that's a really good answer. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would be with you, Aaron. I think, yeah, it's going to make you a little uncom- uncomfortable. But maybe it's going to motivate you as well. Mm -hmm. And I do think two sizes is just a little bit much. It doesn't talk about jackets. So potentially, if you're particularly self-conscious, you could wear a regular size jacket over over a small. Well, you you didn't. I said it was simpler. But in (laughs) fact, there's all kinds of depth to these these questions. (laughs) Okay, good. So that sounds like you won that one. Yeah, because he had the he has, he had the differing opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here, here's one last one. Okay, and this uh, came from a podcast I listen to sometimes, the Slate Political Gabfest. So, giving credit where credit's due, but I really like this question: Would you rather lose your dominant arm, oh boy, or lose complete access to the internet? Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Woo! Wow. For the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And uh, to be clear, I'm going to make the conditions like vicariously as well. So you couldn't sort of have someone say like, oh, can you print out all the Washington Post articles or whatever and give oh, them wow. to me? Like you you lose complete internet access. That would include po- podcasts. Wow. So, I mean, I already know what our listeners, all of our listeners would lose their dominant arm and not, not be able, able to, to listen, listen to especially after getting so pumped by the beginning of this episode. Okay, I mean, I've got to clarify. Yeah. We're talking anything internet-related. Yeah. Spotify. Don't have YouTube, the internet. Netflix. Netflix. All gone. It's all, all gone. All gone. Can you, can you, I mean, <laughs> so you, I mean, let's say your, your wife... Yeah. Still has access to internet. No, Can you kind no, of like... no vicarious uh, experiences. Oh, what about my phone? Can I still text? Can I? Is it just like texts and you could text, calls? make calls? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think those. That's different technology than the internet. Uh, you couldn't iMessage because uh, iMessage <laughs> went okay. on Wi-Fi. You couldn't iMessage on Wi-Fi because that uses <laughs> right. the internet. That's a little too nerdy. Um, email. I uh, know. No email. Wow. No. Oh, that sounds great. Aaron's <laughs> in. <laughs> well, so here's what I thought about because I was thinking about your answer to this question, Aaron. Because if you give up your uh, dominant arm, music becomes a whole nother, a whole different thing. Yeah. Though there could be a different depth of kind of inspiration. You know what I mean? If you, if you lose your dominant arm, that could kind of push him to. 
in terms of kind songwriting of or pick you know on the guitar mean? or something some people like they have a limitation like right? that and, and then, then they kind of pushes them creatively flourish. imagination kind of expands mm, from there that's a good thought yeah i would like to have two arms if possible <laughs> that does sound nice keeping my arms but you know, inter the internet is just—it's ingrained. You it's know, it's—it's it's yeah. like losing electricity, or something. It's like losing your arm. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the question. I oh believe. yeah. Hmm. I think I would be inclined to give up the internet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it feels like I would probably adjust with great pain and suffering. <laughs> So if but, I wanted to listen to music, I would have to go to a store and buy a physical copy of something. I couldn't even order it online. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to download. I'd have to go to <laughs> You'd a have store. to go and find a CD. <laughs> yeah, nor could you have someone order a CD for oh, you. Man, I would just be. I you'd be so. I feel like I would turn into a caveman in like three days. It is kind of interesting, right? Because you can see that traject like that trajectory. You would be out of the loop on so much stuff. Yeah your access to content would just mm -hmm. be completely different than even like 10 years ago when you could go, when there were more record stores right. or more books, bookstores mm -hmm. even, right. where right. you could access things physically more This is a really easily. interesting question because it, it takes me back to, so in Korea there was an experiment done, like a social experiment where people, like selected few people, maybe like 10 individuals, they um, tried living for a month without any real relationships, but just using internet. Um, because you could technically order anything on, you know, website or whatever. So they, they, they're just staying in their homes. And it, you know, kind of gets to this whole thing of where like, without, is, is this kind of like our basic necessity? You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. connected to so like wide range of our life kind of um, different areas. Um, but I, I think... I will definitely keep my dominant arm. Okay. Ah. I will. In fact, I think I'd be pretty confident about my decision to let go of internet and say, hey, I'm just going to keep my dominant arm. Okay. There, seem, there, is an, there is an element of like, maybe I could be, maybe my life would be just way better. That I is mean, the temptation, right? But right. the internet that way. is, I feel like it's also making my life a lot better. Mm -hmm. And now. easier. And easier. Right? Way easier. That's the, that's the yeah. So now to pay my bills, I'm going to have to take two hours and write a bunch of checks instead of just doing all my automatic online pay or whatever, like as an example. Or if I, I would have to subscribe to a newspaper, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, but I'd have to call them or go to an actual newspaper <laughs> office in order to do that. <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> Because you can, you can, like, seriously... Magazine subscription offices yeah. all over the world are like, the only person who ever returns these mail-in subscription orders is Aaron Antone. Uh, that said, man, it would... I would have to... I can still use... So I can still make music using technology. It's not all technology. It's just internet. Right, it's not right. technology. It's yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my arm. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to try it. I'm wow, gonna, all three yeah. of us. That's super interesting yeah. to me that all three of us are like, we would try it. And you guys are millennials, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I probably have a t overly romanticized view of what my life would be like without the internet. It would be, it would get pretty hard. It would pretty be quickly. really hard. It would yeah. be hard. It would be really hard. Welcome to the sec kind of the second segment 
which is our conversation this morning. We decided, what are we going to talk to Q about? And we already kind of alluded to the fact that he's multifaceted, multi-talented. He could talk to us about Korea, (laughs) right? He He could talk to us about what it's like to be tall. He could talk to us about, we played tennis together. We could talk some tennis. So these are three of the many options three. that we could we could, and address. we decided on none of them. <laughs> <laughs> none of them. So um, Q, you're kind of at it. We can talk. We can get into this kind of right away. But you're at a place in your life where um, your age and your education and your sort of your life situation are at a point where you have some opportunities that you could pursue, and mm. you are sort of thinking about like what's next for you mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. So Granite Springs people, he's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon, right? Yep. Okay. So it's not like that kind of conversation. <laughs> and this is an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we wanted to talk uh, about vocation a little bit this this morning. Is it morning? I do this every time. Okay, ten thirty six. Listeners, so get synced up with <laughs> get us. Synced up. If it's pause. <laughs> if you're after or before ten thirty six, please pause the on podcast. On Tuesday, preferably. <laughs> please pause the podcast and pick back up either this evening or tomorrow morning. morning. We will allow you know either PM or AM. Uh, so we're talking calling, vocation, hmm. and this is one of those topics I think that every one of us has thought about pretty significantly at one point in our lives, or we're going through it. And um, I feel even sort of at my <laughs> advanced age, um, <laughs> where I don't celebrate birthdays anymore, well, so I, mature. I do think often about how to follow my calling, like how I'm, what I'm spending my time doing, what I'm investing in, um, is all sort of part of that equation, I think. So that's what we're going to... But Q, given your situation, kind of where you are, it's maybe especially on your mind. So yeah. that's why we want to talk about it. So Great. Uh, can I start with a quote? Oh, that sounds like a great place to okay, start. Okay, so this is uh, one of my favorite authors, Frederick Beekner. Mm. Uh, and uh, listeners give him, he's got lots of great books, and he's got the, a couple of these books that are like little mini um, dictionaries or encyclopedias. So it's out, literally alphabetized. He's got topics like uh, Bible, Covenant, Cross, Doubt, Evil, Immortality, Incarnation, uh, huh. justification. So it's kind of an alphabetized version. And he kind of gives his take on different topics. So one of my favorites of his is um, something he wrote on vocation. So he says this, it comes from the Latin vocare. Is that good Latin? Sounds it's pretty good. Right? It's the best Latin I've ever heard on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Which means to call and means the work a person is called to by God. There are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work, and the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. By and large, a good rule for finding out is this. The kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, and that the world most needs to have done. If you really get a kick out of your work, you've presumably met requirement A, but if your work is writing cigarette ads, the chances are you've missed requirement B. On the other hand, if your work is being a doctor in a leper colony, you have probably met requirement B, but if most of the time you're bored and depressed by it, the chances are you have not only bypassed A, but probably aren't helping your patients much either. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Oh, that's so good. 
Can you say that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So that last line is actually one of my favorite like yeah, ways to so think good. about vocation. Hmm. Well, this has been an episode of Curious Church Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for having <laughs> me, you guys. Good to have you, Q. <laughs> uh, Q, tell us where you're at with uh, the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness. Hmm. Well, you know... I. You guys know I've been kind of uh, doing this army chaplaincy uh, as a, as an army reserve officer, and uh, I think it's been a long process of discernment because you know at, at one point it was brought it was actually first brought up to me by my dad, and it just kind of slipped my mind because you know I wasn't like a kid who grew up thinking one day I want to be in the military and you know serve mm-hmm. my country that like I'd never thought about that and we don't have any military background so it just didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. but like over time it just you know there were small nudges you know like voices from different people and I've had opportunities to meet with different chaplains it just kind of came along and felt organic which made me to think more about it and start praying about it um, and then I got my foot in the door. I said, you know, you know, maybe I'll just try applying for it and see where it goes. And after about a year and a half of ap- long application process, and like there was a season in which because they, they were requiring a very specific document from me that I didn't have and that I couldn't provide. So I was literally at a point where I'm like, God, like if, if this is something that you want, like, like, please make it happen. Because I mean, I, in the first place, like, this is not something that I'm dying to do. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just got my foot in the door because I, I just kind of sensed, oh, like this might be somewhere God's calling me. So that was my prayer. And then that just kind of um, was taken care of. And, and at that point, I, I, you know, got enlisted as an officer, as a reserve in the army. Um, and this is like four-year process that I just talked to you about. And even till, like even now, um, like I'm still <laughs> discerning. It feels mm-hmm. like a huge part of me feels like, because I went to this, okay, so I'm going back and forth. I'm sorry, listeners, but I'm trying my best to describe my <laughs> experience here. Um, so last uh, summer, uh, for the, the whole summer, three months, I was in South Carolina. I attended this basic officer's chaplain training school, which was really helpful. And I came back thinking, because I, I experienced a lot of training that chaplains do, like let's say when we are deployed, the soldiers are exposed in a lot of traumatic uh, situations. And I, you know, I learned about those things and I had opportunities to counsel soldiers and to work with like 18, 19, 20 year old soldiers that are doing basic training and stuff like that, that are kind of in this, you know, the, you know I, so in a sense, Aaron, to answer your question, I experienced um, that world's kind of hunger and need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, f- that's, that's, that was the place in which I felt, huh, I, f- I think I've, I feel called to this place because there's a sense of gladness and I, I feel like I can offer something to these soldiers in those particular situations. But as I came back from that training, a part of me is like, really (laughs) is this really the place like i like it here i like it here at granite springs you know i like this life over here you know what i mean like why would i choose to leave a place like this and voluntarily because i mean there's a possibility of being deployed or being assigned somewhere you know out of california like why would i choose willfully choose to leave a place like this and go there that just doesn't make sense to me so Mm. so there are days where where 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm still kind of thinking, God, is this really the place? And there are also days where I feel very convicted and convinced this is the place and I am going for this. So it's a back and forth. And I feel like when we talk about calling, it's, it's a long process. It's, it's rarely sort of this one day kind of experience where God comes to Aaron and Aaron's like, you know, or God says to Aaron, Aaron, I am your God and mm-hmm. I want you to move from, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah. Um, so a yeah. lot of us long for that, it seems right. like, right? Like just really clear direction about what yeah. we want to do. I think, and you mentioned a little bit, you mentioned you had some, some kind of doubt along the way. Mm. And I think that's really, I think that's really part of, of this process, right? Of kind of discerning and doubting mm. and wondering. And you, you're, you're talking about how it's kind of a long journey, right? Mm. It's not sort of a flash, yep. uh, flash of a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one thing as I was kind of preparing for this conversation, I think what you said, Q, is really helpful and clarifying and resonates with probably anyone who's listening. Um, I was listening just briefly to N.T. Wright talk a little bit about vocation, and he was talking about how for the vast majority of us, and there are people who have sort of the unique blessing of just clarity and understanding early in their life, and they track that all the way through, but for most of us, we sort of spend our whole lives kind of muddling through a little bit and trying to discern. And he pointed to the example of uh, Simeon in the Gospel of Luke, who is this old man, and the Holy Spirit has kind of told him that he won't, uh, he won't die before he sees the Messiah. But his life is essentially waiting, <laughs> and he's just waiting and waiting and waiting, and, wait, and he's old now. And then Jesus, as a baby, is brought to the temple, and he sees him, and then he kind of knows in that moment, this is the Messiah. Mm. And this is what, like this moment is what I was called for to do, Mm. right? And at the end of his life, there's sort of this moment of perfect clarity Mm. that he has. And it feels like a lot of us kind of end up, we long for for clarity, we long for a sense of calling, Mm. and we spend a lot of our lives kind of in a waiting space Mm -hmm. where we still have to kind of be taking, we still take steps forward, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying, Mm Uh, okay, I'm kind of, kind of put my foot in the water here right. and kind of see how it goes. Right. Uh, and then we'll wait, we'll wait on things to happen as yep. that goes. But that seems to be a really common hmm. experience. And I think can be liberating for those of us who think if I don't have this worked out by the time I'm whatever that age is, mm-hmm. <laughs> usually it's an age either yeah. uh, behind us already or very right. soon in the future, right? <laughs> right? It's either guilt that we haven't worked it out or it's pressure mm. that we better work it out soon. I think that's a great point because when you think about the calling and like vocation, and Aaron, this was in your quote too, right? Like we, we have this idea that calling and like purpose of life is something that we have to find like we have to we have to build it ourselves mm-hmm. but the Simeon the Simeon story and you know, all other places in the bible too when god came and called moses or you know joseph the, the calling and purpose of life is really something that that kind of comes to us like you know god comes to us and then we along the way we we figure out what we are meant to do and who we are meant to be over time, which is a drastically different kind of idea from what the world tells us, right? Like, because I mean, you think about high schoolers and college yeah, right. students and yeah. trying to find a job and like, what do I have to do? Like, what do I, you know what I mean? Like that's such a serious question for um, people of all ages. Yeah. That's yep. a question kids get like when they're nine, right? Or yeah, whenever that starts. Right. And then, so it's like suddenly you have to sort of establish this path and, 
it doesn't involve so much listening. It involves sort of pursuing what you mm. really, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. whatever's on your mind, right? Yeah. I mean, even the word calling, right, is helpful because it assumes someone else doing an action, mm-hmm. namely calling. We, we kind of talk about it as this sort of self-sufficient word when we talk about what's your calling, but really like the word itself assumes there is the caller Mm -hmm. who is calling you to something. And so part of what your journey is, is to grow sensitive to the one who is calling you to something. I think that's also right. So when we think about this as Christians, I think we're invited to think about it in a different way. And there's always a temptation to um, bring work and job and career and calling and make them fully synonymous. So I think sometimes yes, uh, there's parts of that that are true and helpful and we should think about how does our work fit with calling. Mm. But there is a sense if we're thinking about God as our caller in which he calls us to something that far transcends uh, and supersedes our work or our job mm. or our career. Mm. Um, and part of that I think is like really fun it's as fundamental we talked about baptismal identity in our last uh our last episode it's as fundamental as that like mm-hmm. the calling that he the thing he calls to us mm-hmm. in some sense is that you are beloved and mm-hmm. the invitation is to live into your belovedness oh that's good now that, that doesn't you can do that whether you're a newspaper reporter right. or whether you're a professional podcaster yeah. musician whatever the case might be mm-hmm. right um so there's maybe a couple of different ways we talk about calling, but usually we lump them all together uh, and we just kind of use this word calling and it just creates a lot of anxiety for us. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, may, at least that's my experience. <laughs> it's kind of an anxiety-inducing word uh, or conversation to have with people. I think, that, I think that detangling it from work for which you're paid mm-hmm. is really a, a, a great distinction, yeah. especially when I look kind of back at my life, it's... Uh, I still kind of wonder like what I'm going to do when I grow up, that kind of sure. question. Uh, but the, and the work I do at church is not a full-time job. Like literally it's part-time. So that means <laughs> that there's another part of my life that I fill with other vocation. And in my case, it's kind of like, as my wife has her kind of full-time and then some job, it's me kind of like mostly raising the kids and getting them to to their things and all that kind of, especially when they're babies. Like that was especially important that I was home with them. Right. Right. So I feel like sort of my vocation is kind of, it's kind of a combination of callings, right? So it's, Mm. it's the work, which, and I have the, I'm blessed to be able to do it actually literally for, for, for the church. But Mm. um, yeah, you have that mixed up with like kind of raising kids and caring for them and, uh, doing sort of what whatever else you're filling your time with that you feel sort of called to do. I don't know. I think that's cool. How do you feel like it would impact the way you spend your time if you thought about everything you do reflecting your calling? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I feel like most of the most of the time we kind of think, okay, I maybe I do one thing or maybe I do three things and those are the things I'm called to do. And then I kind of fill, I fill the edges of my life Mm -hmm. with these other things that kind of have to be done. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe that's the way we put it. I'm called to do this Mm -hmm. and then I have to do this, whether it's, I have to do this to pay the bills or whether it's just like, I have to do the laundry this week or whatever the case might be. So we sort of, our life becomes sort of bifurcated between calling and sort of necessity. Mm -hmm. What if calling somehow spilled into, 
like spilled over and filled it all mm. like how like what what do you think what impact does that have does that have any impact i don't know i think just uh initial initial thought to that i don't i think so maybe my life wouldn't look too different mm. um but I think I would just have the sense because, okay, so the calling is if calling is a slow process and it's an ongoing thing in our lives. And I find it really fascinating because, you know, as I'm kind of exploring this army chaplaincy thing, like I am not a military dude. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if people get to know me, they like, you know, cause there are a lot of people that have military background. When they hear that I'm an army chaplain, they have certain expectations or assumptions of, you know, who I am. Mm-hmm. And they approach with certain conversational topics. And <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I am not that dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, it's surprising and fascinating to me how things have happened to me in my life until this point that, is, that makes sense to me. So like, like when, I, when I grew up, I moved around a lot. So mm. I had to, I had no choice. This was my decision, but I had to learn to adjust and adapt to my surroundings and meeting new people and all these things. And that could play a major role mm. when I think about army chaplaincy. Let's say if I get assigned somewhere or if I get deployed. And even this summer training, it wasn't hard for me because like, I'm okay with going to new places and I actually enjoy it, right? So those little things, or th- those are pretty big events, but yeah. like, there were some things that had already happened in my life that was out of my control but it makes sense to me when I think about my specific calling. So to answer your question, I think it'd be tricky because even the things that I might think, oh, wait, this is, well, maybe wasted thing, yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or this is like not as meaningful. Those actually might have a place. Um, God might be actually doing something in terms of, you know, going back to the baptismal identity. Kevin talks about like dying with Christ and rising with Christ, right? So I think there's also that aspect where, when we are called, there's definitely that gladness that we feel inside of us, but also that th- those places might not be the place that we would like really want to be. So there's always a piece of where like we're going to kind of, you know, die with our hopes or dreams or expectations. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think that's yeah. so well said. And yeah, it takes us back, I think, helpfully to the Beekner quote, right? This idea of deep gladness and deep need meeting. And you are kind of articulated really beautifully. Like I see the deep need, but then I think there's some listening to what you say would say, well, I haven't really heard you talk about your deep gladness, (laughs) right? Right. Which is kind of interesting. Like they'd look, when you say I'm not a military guy, they'd be like, well, if you don't fit that bill, then clearly this cannot be your calling because we think about gladness in terms of fit or skill set or these things which is partly probably just a feature of how we're raised to think about career and you sort of if you have sort of skills or temperaments or things like that that's going to put you in what i hear you saying here is or one way to think about gladness is it's something deeper yeah it's deep gladness that transcends maybe Am I whistling perfectly, on the way home from yeah, work? Am right? I perfectly skilled at <laughs> yeah? Or am I perfectly skilled at this thing? Or am I? It's actually a yeah, deep rootedness yeah. in who we are, yeah, yeah, right? That yeah. then allows us out of gra- out of gratitude to yep. then begin to meet deep That's needs. So Can I share a story? Actually, yep, from my past. Well, training. we don't really do stories. <laughs> we don't do stories. Can I email Just abstract. You guys? Just abstract <laughs> Can I share it via email? Yeah. Can I write it via email? Right. <laughs> Send it to Curious Church at grandstrings.org, and we'll read it on air next time. <laughs> <laughs> with this radio yeah, voice, right? Radio voice. <laughs> so this past summer, I was in, in that training. And towards the end of the training, um, 
a few of us in, uh, that were involved in the training, we had opportunities to be a part of uh, their Sunday worship. So there are multiple worship services happening on the base. Um, and we were able to participate in one of those. So I was playing guitar and, you know, we were making music together. And then afterwards, the, the senior pastor of that congregation said, and there were about maybe 300, 400 soldiers that were in basic training. So these are like 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And the, the senior pastor after the service suggested to the whole group, hey, if you, if you need to talk to one of these chaplains over here, if you need them to pray over you, like, don't hesitate, but come, right? So after the service, each of us had opportunities to connect and, you know, get to know these uh, soldiers. And um, one soldier was in the line to, to talk with me. And then as he came, the, f the first thing that he said, the words that came out of his mouth, <laughs> no, seriously, like what he said was, chaplain, I don't think I have a soul. Hmm. That's exactly my, wow. yeah, seriously, yeah. right? So in that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how in the world do I respond to this? Welcome like, to the army. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was, and even after the conversation, I was processing, I mean, I just prayed for him and, you know, just mainly try to listen to where he was. But afterwards, as I was processing this, the, like he was in a place where he became so vulnerable, you know what I mean? Like he needed something so badly and his, he was emotionally, mentally um, in, a, in a very difficult place. He was ready to hear something. Like, so, I mean, this, this rarely happens, I think, elsewhere. But because it was a very specific environment, this is like an 18, 19-year-old um, soldier asking me, I, I don't think I have a soul. What's up with that? And, and in that moment, I felt like like that's probably the moment of gladness for me hmm. because I can, without even trying, share something that I've come to know, which is God's grace and the good news um, with his help because um, <laughs> I didn't know how to respond in that situation, right? But, but to me, that, that's sort of a, you know, a, a moment of gladness for me because he, he was ready. Like he wasn't holding back um, on anything like he wanted to hear what I had to say to him and that moment I could seize and talk about God's grace or you know try to embody God's grace however that might look like so um, that's the piece when I talk about I don't see myself as a complete military person mm -hmm. but I feel like there's something that I can offer to them because of what had happened in my life so far yeah um, mm -hmm. so yeah that's just a little story oh that's that's great wonderful story I wonder, so we've talked about calling, we've talked about the idea that maybe calling is something larger than just uh, kind of job or work. Do you think the goal, uh, so if we think about maybe our primary calling as being something that God kind of speaks over us in some sense and we're just invited to hear it. And then, but sometimes there are kind of secondary callings maybe, like the sense of like you're called to this particular thing. I mean, that's kind of the way we're talking, you about UQ and this and your mm -hmm. sense of calling being called to a specific uh, job. Do you think the goal, like one of our kind of goals is to work out what that secondary calling is? Um, like, is that one, one of kind of our purposes as we live out our primary calling to then find the specific thing we're supposed to do? Mm. Or do you just kind of hope you stumble upon it by accident? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is, what specific thing do you mean? Like in Q's story? I mean, I mean story, uh, in that case, like more kind of concrete jobs. So like he's like, uh, 
am I being called specifically to military chaplaincy right. as like something that I dedicate a large part of my time mm-hmm. uh, and really most of at some point if you're deployed particularly to, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think? Is that something you kind of pursue or do you just kind of say, you know what? I'm the beloved of God and whatever opportunity <laughs> opens up before me, there I will go. Here, here's a quote maybe to help us begin to think about it. Yeah. Um, this is from Dallas Willard, which I really like. Uh, he talks about grace is contrasted with earning, but not with effort. So grace is contrasted with earning, but not with effort. So the idea being sometimes we think if we experience grace, then that means we, like we do nothing. We do absolutely nothing. And his point is, no, no, the point is that you, you earn nothing. There's nothing you can do to earn grace. Grace is just a gift. But that doesn't mean, and in fact, Scripture is full of kind of this paradox of you receive and you work. Like, you do nothing and you do something at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, but grace is not contrasted with effort. And so I wonder if that's kind of the begin, like a kernel that begins us. Okay, we, we, as we become more aware of who we are as God's beloved children, as we sense sort of our primary calling to follow Him, which has kind of really broad implications that impacts every realm of our life, then there is an invitation to actually work towards, okay, what is maybe a specific way that I have something uh, that can contribute? And maybe this goes back to Beekner's uh, definition as well. As, as grace-filled people, like what's our next step in terms of calling? Is that Right, yeah, right. that's a good way to put it, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Like, do we just kind of say, well, great, like that was really uplifting. I guess I'm called kind of in everything somehow, and... <laughs> Uh, but I'm miserable in my job and I kind of feel like maybe there's something else, right? Like that's maybe right. a good person to think about. The person who does not have particular clarity but is miserable in what they're doing and doesn't feel like, uh, has a sense of this is not everything God has for me. Uh, you know, do I just continue in this work or do I seek something different? I think my inclination would be to say you should seek something different. Yeah, yeah. This this was kind of um, this is getting getting toward a question that I was had been kind of that's kind of rattling around in my mind too is like mm. it's I think it's easy for the three of us in this room who have pretty mm. the the work that we do maybe to define it slightly differently than vocation sure. but mm. the work that we do is very hopefully very clearly like it's directly for the church mm. so it's much easier for us to say we yeah. have found. Mm-hmm what God is calling us to mm. do. But so, but for people who are listening, who are in middle management at a software mm-hmm. firm or um, lawyers or, you know, sales managers or something mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. it's, how do they find vocation in the work that they do? Mm-hmm. Are, and are they supposed to keep looking because they're not directly working for the church? I don't think that's true. Yeah. Right. Right. What would we say to those folks? Yeah. Well, there's layers here, right? Because there's, um, so if we're thinking about, okay, God does maybe call us actually to something to do, but we would say that thing you could do could be kind of almost anything, Mm -hmm. like outside of wickedness, (laughs) outside of some, you know, some work that is just perpetuating evil in our world or brokenness. Right. Uh, Really, that could be anything. So then you kind of, the question 
becomes both how do you discern what that thing is that you might be called to when kind of the options are almost limitless right and in our world increasingly limitless it mm -hmm. feels like yeah but then how you mean opportunities to yeah make in terms the of opportunities and place. possibilities yeah. like there's so much you can do right and you know with kind of the global connectedness like mm. you you can just dream and start businesses and do things in ways that are just unfathomable right. even mm. 50 years ago um so there's that question how do you find work out what that is and then the other question is how does your primary calling kind of who you are uh beloved of god influence mm. right that calling so i see those as kind of two two questions i think they're really closely related yeah mm. um yeah. But I mean, recently, um, recently I preached on Luke four, and I think it has mm -hmm. quite a bit of overlap with this conversation, yeah. especially that second question about how does our primary calling bleed into our secondary calling? Because that sermon was kind of all about purpose. Because Jesus shows up uh, in Luke chapter four on the on the scene, he shows up in a synagogue in Nazareth where he grew up, and he he reads a passage from Isaiah about the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's he's reading this because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he goes on to explain what that good news is. Mm. And this Jesus suddenly has like such clarity of purpose. <laughs> like he mm. knows like why he's there and he expresses it. And it's found in this passage of Isaiah. And it's kind of this incredible moment. And then part of it is like, well, if Jesus has this kind of clarity, then what does that look like for, for us? Because it becomes a question about purpose. What does it look like to live on purpose as a uh mid-level manager or a yeah. salesperson or whatever the case might be. Right. And that I think is that question of how does one calling influence mm. kind of the other calling that yeah. we're mm -hmm. participating in. Hmm? Uh, Q, in your work with youth, does this conversation come up with them? Like with a high schooler, do they have these kind of questions for you? Yeah, I mean, not like direct questions at me, but um, it's definitely something that they're kind of, you know, living with. And uh, when Sam was here, he did this actually with uh, a few people and including myself where um, he uh, kind of uh, asked me to think about my life. And one of the questions that he asked me was, uh, like, what did you want to be or who do you who did you want to be when you were a little child right and mm -hmm. so the, the point that he was getting to was there's something that's embedded in us so deeply ever since we were a young child and and you know sam was saying that you know he thinks that there's something about that you know there's something in that so for me i wanted to become a professor and i think i wanted to start like a college um and so at an early age i think i i really enjoyed like speaking, or you know what I mean? Q or, University. <laughs> yeah. Get your applications in. <laughs> you know, things like that. And, and ultimately, he had me um, just do a life timeline. Yeah. So ever since I was a young, born up until I was 30, the major events that had happened, right? And then we just pretty much like, he just asked me to tell him my life story. And as I was telling, there were certain events that had happened to me that shaped me as who I am today. Uh, so for one thing, there were you know, certain things that I experienced that really hurt me, that made me more of an empathetic person. And what Sam was getting to was that God was always involved in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So even through those hurtful times, God was shaping me and forming me into a person that I am today. So I think to get to your question, what I would tell my students is that first to have this freedom and you know 
to not be so desperate about you know who I will be or what I have to be or what I have to choose as a major, but mm-hmm. to really have that freedom, knowing that calling is something that God gives and we are to receive it from Him mm-hmm. over time, and it becomes hopefully clearer. Um, and then the second thing would be to pay attention to your self and your own story, not in a narcissistic way, but really like explore your own life story and 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 see, like learn about who you are. And so I'm thinking about you know a female student who has uh, had a pretty rare disease um, through her high school days, and she's probably one of the most patient and compassionate high schoolers that I know. Um, because through those, and, and she wants to get into like medical field and stuff like that because of that particular experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to kind of get to your point, Matt, like how does the first call shape our second calling? I don't know, but I think there are multiple different options. But when yeah. we kind of learn what God has done to us through our lives, whether he has given us you know, a little more compassion than other people or you know, empathy than other people or musical talent than other people, um, I think that's a kind of like a good way or a good point where we could kind of start this whole thought process. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so good. And I, I, I love this, that some of these conversations are happening. I mean, that of course they're happening with uh, youth. That just makes sense. Yeah. I think one thing as I was kind of thinking about this and watching some videos, N.T. Wright, who has, you know, an incredible British scholar, has this, Oxfordian accent says it's important to not be too prescriptive too soon, hmm. which is really interesting for this person who kind of has it seems like pretty pretty perfect clarity on what he's called to do, <laughs> uh, you know, and has for a long time. Says it's important to not be too prescriptive too soon, and I think some of what he's saying is you have to create space hmm. for your story. Uh, to play like you're talking about, to allow yourself to be formed in the ways and to just kind of jump to a conclusion, you know, oh, I had this one experience or I'm really skilled at this, so therefore I should do X, Y, Z, is to kind of miss, miss potentially miss something, right, by letting things play a little bit longer, which is hard to do because I think we tend to be impatient to find calling. Like we want... We want that kind of clarity as soon as possible, right? And I think, I mean, so the discernment, I think, and, and, and conversations with other wise people around you is also an important piece. Because <laughs> you think about, let's say someone is in the law field for like, he was, you know, working in a law field for like 20 years and he's seen all the messy stuff, you know, that involves with his work and um, the whole culture of, you know, we got to maximize profit and you, you know what I mean? Like, so... Let's assume that the person was in that law field for 20 years and saw all the unhealthy and messy stuff and he wants out of that place, right? So in that moment, I think for some people, it might be necessary for him to, to have that freedom and say, you know what, like, I want to explore something else. Yeah. But I also have talked to someone who, who was exactly in that place and yet as he became more and more clear about his first calling as just follower of Jesus, he wanted to stay in and be a different voice and different culture um, where instead of maximizing my profit, I want to really serve my clients Mm -hmm. within this culture. So I think it could go, I mean, I don't think you can say, you know, that's right, that's wrong. But Mm -hmm. I think again, coming back to your point of having that space and creating that space to really explore and, you know, try different options. Yeah. I think that's so well said. I think that's one uh, that, that can be a really liberating people thing for people. I really believe this about kind of these uh, our calling in terms of work and that 
concrete thing that that can change, mm. right? That there's not uh, for some people there might be one <laughs> thing. That There's not God, one thing when you're born that you're committed right. to forever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That yeah. that can be the case. Like God has this one thing for you in mind. I, that's true, I'm sure, for some people. But I think for a lot of people, uh, God calls you to different things at different mm-hmm. stages. Mm-hmm. I was just on a phone call with a guy who was a pastor for a number of years. And then life life stage and kind of family and some illness and things like that just made it not feasible for him to continue being a pastor. And so he goes and what he ends up doing is he joins this company that provides and helps develop church apps for churches. Mm -hmm. So now he's in the business sector. He's sort of a salesman manager, but right in this sense, his calling has actually shifted and he, but he sees these things as really being beautifully consistent in, Mm -hmm. in his story Mm as there's been consistency of yeah. calling in the sense of like, he is here to serve people, he loves the church to do these things, but the concrete ways that he's doing that has shifted pretty significantly yeah. in terms of what his day-to-day looks like and mm. who's paying him and all those sorts yeah. of details. Yeah. So one of the other things I think that can be helpful to remember too, and I hadn't thought about this before, um, I heard Jamie Smith say this, who Jamie Smith is a professor, Calvin and incredibly smart person. He said, sometimes you might be called to fail. So, right, I think the temptation is to think, once I know my calling, then uh, I'm guaranteed success. It will be up and to the right once I lock into that thing. (laughs) And just the idea that sometimes actually failure might be part of your calling. This goes back to what you were talking about, the dying and rising, right? Mm -hmm. Is that sometimes, in fact, that is part of what we are called to do. Uh, but I wonder about this, this this kind of experiment, see if we can do this. So I'm thinking oh. about how oftentimes a sermon will have like three points to it. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if we didn't come into this conversation with three points, but I'm wondering if like on the other side of it, can we look back and glean three pieces of information that we think would be valuable takeaways from our conversation or if not takeaways at least compelling questions Mm -hmm. that we can sort of ponder because i mean the whole idea of this podcast was we're not gonna come up with answers Answers we're just gonna be (laughs) curious about things so um and and i'll start because i have one idea yeah and I, i this this is an idea that i didn't come into this conversation with but i think i'm leaving with it and that is the separation of the idea of vocation versus sort of the work that you do as income to provide for yourself, right? So mm-hmm. the, the idea of vocation as calling being broader than just work is really interesting to mm-hmm. me. And yeah. I think probably helpful for a lot of listeners who might not see exactly mm-hmm. how those two things are, yeah. like you said, simultaneous. Right. All right, I'll, I'll, we'll force Q as our guest to give the third one. Oh, so, Q, they're all going to be taken. Like My second one, I think, is uh, what Q was talking about in terms of a takeaway. This could be, and this is really practical. It can be a really helpful exercise to listen to your story. Um, and I kind of want to do this now. Um, but the idea of doing some kind of exercise, 
charting kind of significant events or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Frankly, you could do this. It doesn't even have to be your whole life. You could do it over the last year or mm -hmm. if you had kind of a particularly significant six months, it would be interesting to chart even shorter periods of time. Yeah. And okay, what does, like, who am I? Uh, who do I believe I am based on this story? Maybe you need some corrective. Who does God say that I am yeah. despite my story, right? Sometimes we need both those things. Mm -hmm. But then where does this, where might my next chapter be? I think that's a really kind of practical and helpful idea. Mm -hmm. That's good. So thanks, Q slash Sam. <laughs> yeah. and you, we you, don't you acknowledge Sam around. <laughs> I stole your yeah, that's it. it can be too. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I would want to say, because one thing that's really fascinating for me, you know, as we talk about this, you know, first kind of calling and the second calling in Christian life, the fascinating thing is that God is capable of grabbing our attention. Like when he needs to speak to us and when he needs to give us a little nudge, whether it's a voice from our spouse or, you know, a voice randomly that comes from a sign on the drive. You know what I mean? Like he's capable of doing that. So, so with this in our mind, I would just want to encourage us all to, to, to really live with the freedom, a sense of freedom. Hey, like it's okay to make mistakes and even fail at sometimes in our vocation. And uh, maybe we wanted to, you know, become a hairstylist and maybe three years later we decide, hey, this wasn't for me, but have the freedom to, to do those things um, acknowledging and believing and trusting that God is always involved in our lives and He is capable, very capable of speaking directly to us when it's needed. So be free, be free, <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's actually a really beautiful way to end the conversation about calling. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Well, listeners, what do you think? How was that? <laughs> Should we do Let it again? Know. Hey, you we start what? over? <laughs> yeah. You know one thing we haven't asked for in a while? Have we asked people to give us a review? Oh, oh, let's do it. Friends, it's helpful if you leave a review on, uh, what is it, Apple Podcasts? It's now Apple called. Podcasts. But, I mean, feel free to leave a review anywhere. If you just want to, um, like, just post on your personal blog a lengthy review <laughs> of our podcast, or you want to maybe text someone, uh, feel free, just text someone, Curious Church Podcast, five stars, then explain why. I think we should discourage graffiti. So don't bring you know, bring a Sharpie to a local public restroom. Nothing but like that. If you do that and you take a picture and send it to us, <laughs> we're so. pretty likely to talk about it. <laughs> not going to lie to you. But really, it's always, uh, we, well, obviously we love to hear reviews, but it also helps other people. Uh, if you think this conversation might be helpful, send it along to someone. Yeah, good call. And uh, do you want to give an uh, email address and stuff if people want to get a hold of us? Yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, curiouschurch at granitesprings.org or facebook.com slash curiouschurch. Send us a would you rather if you'd like to. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Send yeah. us future would you rather. Great yeah. idea. Q, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, great. thanks, Q. Yeah. It was good to finally have <laughs> you on. Should do it again sometime. Let's do that. Q to the U to the R I O U S. We are we are Curious Church Podcast. All right. And on that note, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I was Q. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs>